It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. Planet Earth is under siege. Sanity has already evacuated, i.e. abandoned ship. The race to the bottom of the abyss is well underway and accelerating by the day. Consider this increasingly relevant quote from Aldous Huxley, who stated, There will be in the next generation or so a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak, producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them but will rather enjoy it because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. End quote. Again from Aldous Huxley. Forgive me for continuing to beat this drum, but this quote also comes to mind. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. A quote many may be familiar with from 1984. And this, a reminder of a quote that I've covered on a previous broadcast. Only the mob and the elite can be attracted by the momentum of totalitarianism itself. The masses have to be won by propaganda. That nugget from Hannah Arendt. What's glaringly absent, though, from all these otherwise timeless and on-target quotes. This, the bottom line of biosphere collapse, which trumps all, no pun intended, seriously. The epidemic of normalcy bias is thriving, even at this late hour, fed by the constant stream of power structure propaganda being pumped out by the corporate media weapon of mass deception and distraction. What psychological factors are most fueling the hive mind groupthink behavior? not just in regard to the blind adherence to controller dictates without any honest or objective investigation, but also the majority denial of the abrupt environmental collapse that is unfolding and accelerating on countless fronts, with climate intervention operations further fueling all of it. So again, what psychological factors are most fueling the hive mind groupthink behavior? Stay tuned. Much more on that subject later in this broadcast. First this. Climate collapse headlines are coming in from every imaginable direction. We'll cover breaking reports in this broadcast, along with the factor in the equation that the controllers are doing their best to hide from public view or consciousness. Climate intervention operations. The planet's life support systems, again, are collapsing. The controllers are implementing their agendas at warp speed. Stand back, examine the entire wider horizon, and connect the dots. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the Global Alert News Hour, brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org. Global Alert News is a commercial-free, non-political broadcast that covers the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. As I cover breaking biosphere collapse reports, it's imperative to always remember and consider biosphere collapse is the bottom-line factor on which our collective futures completely depend. All other near-term threats, societal dictates, and the unraveling of industrialized, militarized, so-called civilization is an inevitable consequence of biosphere collapse. The human race's march toward near-term self-annihilation continues unabated, with the clinically insane controllers still being allowed to steer the ship. What could go wrong? 
We're all about to find out the hard way. Let's cover some headlines, starting with this from Scientific American. Fearing liability, U.S. resists U.N. fund for climate damages. From that report, the reluctance reflects long-standing concerns of the U.S. over climate-related litigation. The United States frequently cites fear of liability to explain why it has so far been reluctant to support creating a new international fund for climate victims. Fear of liability. Yes, the controllers cannot afford to have global populations figure out that they are under constant assault from what amounts to ongoing weather warfare. Search geoengineeringwatch.org, massive U.S. Senate document. Read the highlighted portions of the almost 800-page file. In it, you will find outlines for total legal immunity from any and all harm done by these programs. Further, global cooperation is called for, even between nations with otherwise hostile relations. It cannot be otherwise. You can't just geoengineer over your own country and consider that the U.S. military is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. It is the juggernaut of total insanity. It's not a force for freedom and democracy. It's a mercenary force to carry out the dictates of empire. That's what it is. Covert climate engineering operations remain the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex, the weapon with which they can bring entire populations to their knees without said populations ever even knowing they were under assault. Here's a question that begs to be answered, although the answer is incredibly obvious. What other covert weapon of the controllers is comparable? Bringing populations to their knees without populations ever even knowing they were under assault. You decide what should be filled in on that blank. How dire is the unfolding climate collapse? Few are willing to face the facts on that front. I'll get to breaking headlines in a moment, but bear with me. I want to cover some background information that's completely relevant to fully understand the wider horizon. The so-called climate science community has long since falsified the, quote, baseline of temperaturized. That's the pre-industrial temperatures. Just like Dr. Anthony Fauci altered the definition of gain of function in regard to pathogen engineering, as I covered in last week's broadcast, just like Professor Douglas McMartin attempted to alter the definition of geoengineering during my on-air debate with Dr. McMartin, also covered last week. And this footnote about Professor Douglas G. McMartin, a.k.a. Douglas McManowski, changed his name for some reason. A 30-plus page lawsuit has just been filed against him. The legal complaint was served to him in person last week. McBarton was the one and only so-called climate scientist that was responsible for causing Facebook to flag geoengineeringwatch.org's groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, as, quote, false information, end quote. What information did Dr. Douglas McMartin present to Facebook to back up his assertions that the hard science information presented in the Dimming documentary was false? Zero. Nothing. Nada. Dr. Douglas McMartin caused Facebook to flag the Dimming as false information because he, Douglas McMartin from Cornell University, says so. Thus, Mr. McMartin is now being sued by geoengineeringwatch.org. Time to shine the brightest possible light on McMartin and all the individuals like him who are now filling the ranks of not just the so-called climate science community, but the medical industrial complex, the military industrial complex, the so-called public protection agencies, so-called elected officials. The list of criminal cowards who serve the controllers is long indeed, at least for the moment. 
And one more footnote about Fauci and those he serves, about the engineering of the gain-of-function viral characteristic. Again, which peer-reviewed science study published in the journal Nature, November 12, 2015, isn't it essential for us to ask this question, for how long and to what depth has this type of engineering been going on? The 400 biolabs all over the world are doing something, aren't they? Something behind closed doors, out of public view. Just as global climate engineering operations have been going on also, in plain sight in that case, for over 75 years. About ongoing biological testing, again, I will cite, for the record, as covered by the Washington Post all the way back in 1977, the U.S. military, as of that date, had conducted some 239 open-air biological tests on innocent and unknowing U.S. civilians, and that's just what we know about. What has taken place since then? What has taken place in other countries? How much of what we have been told was actually a result of nature, so-called seasonal sicknesses? How much wasn't nature at all? You decide. Question two, related. How long have the global power elite been working away at whittling down exploding human populations? Again, I'll leave that up to the listener to decide. In regard to rapidly expanding human populations, question, has the human race taken as a whole behaved with any more intelligence than microbes in a Petri dish? Consider this 2018 report titled, a population that pollutes itself into extinction. From that report, when soil bacteria is placed in a limited environment and fed a diet of glucose and nutrients in the laboratory and allowed to grow at will, in other words, unchecked, the microbes end up polluting their local environment so quickly and so completely that the entire population very quickly kills itself off. The effect is dramatic. You have an exponential growth of the population followed by exponential death. Within 24 hours of the onset of the death spiral, no viable cells are left in the entire Petri dish culture. None. Zero. It's not that the microbes had exhausted their resources. Food remained to feed on. But engorging heedlessly and relentlessly, each bacterium had secreted a steady flow of acidic waste into the culture medium until their environment no longer supported life. The parallels between the microbes and the behavior thus far of the human race are not hard to spot. The Petri dish equation applies. The global power structure has long since known it. How could they not know it? Indeed, the controllers are the core orchestrators of the dark corner we now collectively find ourselves in. What would we, what should we expect them to do? Exactly what they're doing. And never forget, the controllers couldn't do what they do without the active or passive support of the majority population. Again, I will say, if we honestly examine what is happening and how it is being facilitated, we have seen the enemy, and he is us. When will the public stop facilitating the insanity of the controllers? When? Question, how many in the ranks of the human race are actually willing to face what's unfolding around us all. Not just, again, the collapse of the natural world and its life-giving functions, not just collapsing societies, but the collapse on so many levels of sanity itself. How many are willing to summon the courage necessary to face the rapidly darkening wider horizon? And then there's this question, how many are only interested in bread and circus until the brutal bitter end? The former natural global climate relative equilibrium 
has long since been completely obliterated. There are countless primary factors, all of them directly related to human activities, with climate engineering operations at the top of the list. Though that fact does not in any way negate or diminish the total spectrum of humanity's ruthless assault on the planet's life support systems. The global controllers are doubling down on business as usual, while pretending to be pushing forward with plans to reduce the decimation of Earth's remaining life support systems, which they are not. The majority of populations, unfortunately, continue to conform to controller dictates in the blind and irrational hope that by doing so, they are told their lives will magically go back to, quote, normal. More on that subject again shortly. But so many still desperately believe that the hydrocarbon fuel fiesta will pick up where it left off. Again, if they just roll up their sleeves and do what they're told. Good luck with that. And again, how's that working out so far? And behind the scenes, the global power brokers are forcing all nations, with few exceptions, to actively or passively support the climate intervention techno fix of total insanity brace for impact it's close on that note in my last broadcast i mentioned that the climate engineers were manipulating a fire hose of moisture into the pacific northwest in order to facilitate chemical ice nucleated surface cooldowns further into the interior of north america i had intended to cover much more on this issue but ran out of time on this on-air broadcast so let's pick it up where we left off because the information is important and still completely relevant. Here's a few samples. British Columbia, Canada is still reeling from the unprecedented incinerations, now followed by deadly deluges. From AccuWeather, about the decimation of BC, Canada. This headline from last week. The year of extremes. Why 2021 has broken the mold for one region. It's not just one region. The entire planet is completely off the rails. But this report states, broken temperature records, broken wildfire records, and broken rainfall records have kept one region's residents exhausted from the year's constantly extreme conditions. Of course, no mention of the geoengineering elephant in the equation. Should that come as any surprise? I think not. Another headline from multiple sources. Death toll climbs following catastrophic flooding in British Columbia. Report states a once-in-500-year flood event in British Columbia swallowed highways, washed away bridges, and cut off railroads. The climate engineers control the spigot. It's imperative to always remember and consider that. If they don't want it to rain, it won't rain. It's much easier for the climate engineers to shut off rainfall than to necessarily augment it, though they can do both. Let's rewind to this 2008 article from NBC News and other sources. China plans to halt rain for Olympics. Many major sources cover that, including LA Times, by the way, as well. Business as usual, and they did so. Since the Chinese military can routinely shut off the flow of rain, is it reasonable to assume that the Canadian military could also do the same instead of having their country decimated by this massive flow of moisture that did so much damage after so many hillsides and so many landscapes were left completely scorched and barren without any watershed after the incinerations and the record heat, 121.5 degrees last year, or this summer rather, in British Columbia. Unimaginably hot temperatures, and we know that the climate engineers shut off the flow of moistures that allowed those incinerations to occur because we can clearly see their operations on satellite imagery. 
Climate engineering set the template for those incinerations, not just in British Columbia, not just in California, not just in Oregon, not just in Washington, not just in the Amazon, South America, all over the world. Climate engineering is facilitating massive incinerations, and there is an agenda behind that. Search wildfires, serve geoengineering agenda to learn more about that. But again, there is no question that is a core causal factor because we can see it on satellite imagery. The source of ignition, separate subject entirely. Any moron with a match can start a fire. There are many sources of ignition. Bottom line, what is setting the template? And that is climate engineering. And now come the floods, exactly as what happened in Australia. Here's a few recent headlines to highlight that point, again, about Australia. Same scenario as what just happened in British Columbia. Fire and flood. Whole areas of Australia will be uninsurable. Another headline. After devastating wildfires, parts of Australia now face floods. Another headline. Australia floods. Saving a home from fires only to lose it in floods. And this. Australia's weird weather is getting even weirder. Welcome to the world of climate intervention operations. And again, I have to state this every single time to make it clear to people who misunderstand. I'm not stating climate engineering is the only thing that has damaged the planet's climate system, in fact, broken the climate system. Countless forms of human activity have all contributed. It's not a this or that equation. It's a this and that and many other things. It's all the above. All must be considered. It's irrational to do otherwise. Any form of human activity that affects the energy balance of the planet and disrupts the planet's climate systems, hydrological systems, is a form of climate engineering, whether intended or otherwise. But the worst and most destructive factor in the equation of all is the intentional climate intervention operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. And what happens when you can so disrupt the weather to any country? You can completely decimate their food supply. Again, as President Lyndon Johnson stated in 1962, he who controls the weather controls the world. If you haven't seen a film of that yet, if you're on our on-air audience, please go to geoengineeringwatch.org and view the first 30 seconds of the post of this broadcast. And every single week is a film clip of President U.S. President Lyndon Johnson stating on film and on the record in 1962 that we had the power to control the world's cloud layer then, and that, quote, he who controls the weather controls the world. On our audience, if you haven't seen that, please take the time to go and view that, at least. So back to Canada. From CBC Canada, that's Canadian mainstream media. BC residents urged not to panic buy as bare shelves fuel food security angst. End headline. From that report, provincial leaders are urging British Columbians not to hoard food and groceries as disruptions to BC's farm industry and supply chains from historic rain and flooding fuels angst amid consumers. The report then states scenes of empty grocery store shelves in many British Columbia locations prompted BC Premier John Horgan to issue calls to residents to refrain from panic buying. Please, he stated, do not hoard items. What you need, your neighbors need as well, he said. Oregon further stated, we are confident we can restore our supply chains in a quick and orderly manner, provided we all act as we've been acting over the past two years, i.e. CV-19. Do what you're told. Everything will work out fine. And again, I ask, how's that going so far? Another headline from the TorontoStar.com. This little-known climate change hazard is creeping across northern Canada. What do they mean by that? The report states this. The menace is called permafrost slump. It occurs when the permanently frozen, or previously permanently frozen, we should say, layer of soil that underlies large swaths of Canada, B. 
begins to thaw. It's not just beginning to thaw. It's entering more advanced stages of thawing in places. And whole sections of the surface are, are literally dissolving away, collapsing. Sides of mountains are slumping. And then there's that pesky methane crater blowout problem in Siberia. The ones that look like a nuclear bomb went off. Search Siberian methane craters. See for yourself. And all that formerly frozen methane that ejects straight into the atmosphere, where it can and does trap heat over a hundred times more effectively than CO2 over a 10-year time horizon. Question, how many are noticing how fast temperatures rebound after chemically ice-nucleated storm moisture moves through? Yes, the colder temperatures can remain for a while after the storms because cold air is dense and sits on the surface, but the mercury soon enough rises faster than any historical norm. Increasingly, nights are no longer cooling nearly as much as they historically have. Why? Because the blanket of heat-trapping gases is thickening. And this, the part that no official sources will mention, climate engineering atmospheric aerosols are also trapping heat. Hothouse Earth is coming. Wait and see. And there's that searing UV radiation that almost no one wants to talk about. No ozone layer, no terrestrial life. This scenario is unfolding now. Climate engineering is the single greatest factor that is destroying the ozone layer. Search that exact title to learn more, i.e., geoengineering is destroying the ozone layer. Suggestion. Put a geoengineeringwatch.org in front of the title and perhaps use a search engine other than Google who is doing their best to hide our data from public view. Moving on, another headline from Bloomberg.com. Ruined Brazil harvest sparks food inflation everywhere. From that report, when the region's crops were scorched and then frozen this year by a devastating one-two punch, that was, the report states, fueled by climate change, the worst drought in a century, followed by an unprecedented Antarctic front that repeatedly coated the land in thick frost. Global commodity markets were rocked. Are we seeing a pattern here, or is it just my imagination? Droughted out, incinerated, and then frozen. Back to back to back, decimating food crops. South America, Australia, British Columbia. It's happening over and over in the U.S. This is climate engineering. This is not nature. Chemical ice nucleating elements are absolutely, positively being dispersed into storm moisture, This can create frozen precipitation at temperatures far above freezing, but the temperatures do drop as this process continues. But it is routinely seen now to to have snowflakes begin falling at 40 plus degrees or higher. That's chemical ice nucleation. And how many will moronically shake their heads and walk off and mutter conspiracy theory when they hear this kind of data while they're perhaps grabbing their skis and heading off to the slopes to ski on a portion of a mountain that has snow on it when... The rest of the mountain may be completely bare. How did that snow get there? Chemical ice nucleation processes. But they accept that because that facilitates their skiing. But the notion that the government would do this and not tell us, that's just too far out for them to grasp. I know I'm taking a bit of an off-ramp here, but I want to follow it through because it's relevant. Let's look at another example of what governments can do if they choose to. I gave the example of what China did in the Olympics in 2008. Let's look at 2014, the Sochi Winter Olympics. Consider this headline from 2014. Freezing Sochi, how Russia turned a subtropical beach into a Winter Olympics wonderland. From that report, Sochi's 2014 
management team has put together a comprehensive plan to make absolutely sure that the Winter Games won't be a washout. It states, taken together, these measures measures will mean that snow is guaranteed. Let's press on a bit further on this subject. Please forgive me. It's imperative to drive this point home because engineering winter weather, i.e. toxic surface cooldowns, like the one that happened in Texas earlier this year, is a core component of climate intervention operations that no one except geoengineeringwatch.org seems willing to talk about. Why not? So here's a few more quick headlines on the subject from 2009. Artificial snowstorm brings chaos to Beijing. That's from ABC News. And this, China's weather manipulation brings crippling snowstorm to Beijing. That's from Popular Science. And this, China's artificially induced snow closes 12 highways. That's from Reuters. There's many more of these headlines. Do we think that our military can't do this when the Chinese have been routinely doing it and now don't talk about it much because their citizens weren't all that happy with what was being done to them? I wonder why. Think that super slippery and often concrete like snow is just nature? Think again. And for God's sake, don't eat it. I have a few more winter weather reports to get to, but for now, let's cover some other bases. From Yahoo News and other sources, climate change has helped turn Utah's Great Salt Lake into a puddle of its former self. That report states, despite still being depicted on most maps in its former glory, the lake has shrunk dramatically and now holds only half as much as it historically averaged. Utah is one of many western states experiencing extreme drought conditions. Want to know more about that? Go to geoengineeringwatch.org on the homepage and search engineering drought. But the report continues with this. Extreme drought conditions that researchers have linked to climate change. No mention of climate engineering and again, I have to state this. This is imperative to remember and understand. It cannot rain less on a warming planet. The laws of physics make that clear. The atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. We are likely, based on frontline temperature readings, we are likely past 3.5 degrees C right now. It must rain more overall, but it's not. Why not? Because there's a factor we're not being told about. That factor is climate engineering, which is completely disrupting and derailing the entire hydrological cycle, starting with blocking direct sunlight, which is the core factor in the evaporative process. This report continues by stating this. In July, the lake's water, i.e. the Great Salt Lake in Utah, hit a new record low. The report states its water levels are at their lowest in recorded history, leading to a loss of habitat, decreased water flows, and air quality issues. Unfortunately, all saline lakes in the Great Basin states are facing the same challenges. While the lake's water is not drinkable for humans, it is home to an ecosystem that benefits them. Lake effects snowstorms, remember that term, lake effects snowstorms, we'll get to more of that shortly, for instance, help generate water for much of the surrounding area. The exposed dry lake, meanwhile, poses a threat to air quality in Salt Lake City and is adding more dust, thus, into the snowpack, causing it to melt earlier in the year, further disrupting the supply of water in the surrounding ecosystems. It's a cascading sequence of events that scientists have long warned about. And so have we at geoengineeringwatch.org. Cascading scenarios, dominoes that fall and trigger even larger dominoes, which in turn trigger even larger dominoes, and they feed out in successive change. It's a feedback loop, a positive feedback loop, a self-reinforced warming feedback loop, and there are many already fully triggered. Keep that in mind. Also hold the thought about the lake effect snowstorm scenarios and the corporate media's constant sensationalization of those events. More on that in a moment. But first, 
from numerous sources. California Department of Fish and Wildlife saves more than 2 million Chinook salmon from drought. Begins releasing fish into Klamath River as conditions improve. Just because there's been a little bit of rain that flows into the river doesn't mean that everything's fine again. And for the record also, the massive spikes of aluminum running down these tributaries, like the Sacramento River where the salmon are now forecast to go extinct, along with the Klamath, which was published earlier this year, Reading Environmental Waste in Northern California included me in a meeting about 10 years ago, where they disclosed their test of the Sacramento River that was packed with aluminum after every single rain event. Now we have the Delta smelt issue, an endangered species, and I have emails in my possession from the state's top biologist working on that scenario, and he was finding aluminum nanoparticulates adhered to the gills of the smelt, and every time he tried to bring it up, he got a boot put over his neck every single time. Now he's broken off contact. But I have those emails, and we hope when we get into a court setting, we can release those and subpoena him. And we are getting close to a court setting, as I announced earlier in this broadcast. Time to pull back the curtain in every way we possibly can. The report states over 2 million healthy Chinook salmon are on their way to the Pacific Ocean that will ultimately benefit commercial, tribal, and recreational fisheries and will retain the intrinsic value of these fish and their genetics for the Klamath River population. How incredibly Pollyanna is that whole story. What happens when they get to the dying ocean that's superheating with plankton populations that are crashing, forager fish that are crashing. How are these salmon going to survive there? And we know the salmon runs are tanking all over the planet, even farm salmon tanking. Massive die-offs in some of the salmon farms. By the way, salmon, one of the most toxic substances you can eat on planet Earth, farm salmon. Keep that in mind as well. Moving on from AccuWeather.com. Floodwaters sweep through city streets as southern India faces worst flooding in 140 years. It's the worst flooding there ever. They always state a previous date so people think, oh, it's happened before. It can't be that bad. One of the games that the controllers play to baffle populations into staying in their passive state. On the subject of flooding, this from last week. This is from CBS News and other sources. Severe flooding in downtown Miami. Yes, there was a substantial rainstorm involved, but the seas are most definitely rising. How many know that Miami is spending the better part of a billion dollars with a B trying to pump their streets out, attempting to mask the severity of sea level rise, which will be very catastrophic in Miami soon. One of the requirements for visiting there soon may be a snorkel. Keep that in mind. Those that don't believe it will soon. Sea level rise, for the record, is not uniform all over the world, and people think because they can't visibly see it in certain coastal regions where you have perhaps steeper shore-ocean connection topographies, that doesn't mean it's not happening. Anyone who doubts what's happening in the cryosphere, again, I encourage you to search online and view Chasing Ice. If you don't believe what you see in that documentary that's one dozens and dozens of awards, non-political. If you don't believe what you can see with your own eyes, there's nothing I can do for you. You'll have to wait until we hit the wall at full velocity, which is coming soon. Another headline from the UK Guardian. U.S. auctions off oil and gas drilling leases in Gulf of Mexico after climate talks. How about a massive dose of hypocrisy here? Business as usual, as I've said from the beginning, the climate talks, nothing but smoke and mirrors and pushing climate engineering behind the scenes. From this report, just four days after the landmark climate talks in Scotland in which Joe Biden vowed the U.S. will, quote, lead by example in tackling dangerous global heating, the president's own administration is providing a jarring contradiction. The largest ever sale of oil and gas drilling leases in the Gulf of Mexico. The U.S. government 
is launching an auction of more than 80 million acres of the Gulf of Mexico for fossil fuel extraction, a record sell-off that will lock in years and potentially decades of planet heating emissions. We're done. On this course, we are done. I cannot drive that point home strongly enough. It's not my opinion. It's a mathematical, statistical certainty on the current trajectory, near-term certainty. More from this report. The enormous size of the lease sales covering an area that is twice as large as Florida is a blunt repudiation of Biden's previous promise to shut down new drilling on public lands and waters. It has stunned environmentalists who argue that the auction punctures the U.S.'s shaky credibility on the climate crisis. And further, the report states, it will make it harder to avert catastrophic impacts from soaring global heating. That's, that part's done. We're through the guardrail. Catastrophic impacts are here. There's no changing that. The question now is, will anyone survive the ride to the bottom of the abyss? And the U.S. has no credibility in regard to caring about the environment, no more than China or Russia. It's about climate engineering and business as usual and using weather as a weapon. And now the controllers are more desperate than they have ever been before. And what I stated on this broadcast, for the entire length of time that Global Alert News has been on the air, that when the totality and immediacy of biosphere collapse could no longer be hidden from populations, the controllers would be more desperate than they have ever been before. Take a look around you. They are completely desperate to carry out their agendas. And biosphere collapse is the bottom line factor fueling it all. So about Biden, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, except the new boss may be a little less cognitively functional, getting worse by the day. But on this note, from grist.org, days after COP26, U.S. pledge to cut aviation emissions gets rerouted. Imagine that. The report states Biden's EPA will keep a Trump-era emission standard for airplanes, That doesn't actually cut emissions. No surprise. They need to keep these aircraft flying. Keep in mind, in addition to all the thousands of U.S. military tankers that are soaring through our skies and dispersing climate engineering aerosols, the U.S. DOD, Department of Defense, is leasing no less than 800 commercial aircraft with commercial markings. Why? Why are they using those aircraft? Why do they need so many aircraft? What are they using them for? We have film footage of military tankers, and commercial aircraft with nozzles visible, retrofit nozzles mounted on the wing pylons aimed at the exhaust jet stream to make this look like, quote, condensation. And we have film footage of these nozzles turning on and off. End of argument. It's not condensation in our skies. Of course it's not condensation. How many times do you see, and I brought this up many times over and over, you can see a a documentary about expeditions in Antarctica where their breath condenses very powerfully, do you see a cloud hanging over their head for a half hour or half a day because this condensation just sits there? No, condensation does not do that. Only a particulate will do that. Just like you see out of an aircraft at an air show, dispersing smoke, which is a particulate. We see exactly the same composition of trail that we see out of the aircraft in our skies that cover the entire sky. Film footage shows entire horizons being covered by what's being emitted from aircraft. And we have the climate science community pretending that that's not climate engineering. What a circus of insanity. Final excerpt from this report. Just days after the U.S. unveiled its roadmap for, quote, net zero aviation by 2050, Biden's Environmental Protection Agency, which is, I've said this over and over, so-called environmental protection agencies, public protection agencies, are there to do exactly the opposite. Not to disclose or protect populations, but to mask the threat that populations deserve to know about. That's why they're there. 
So Biden's Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, announced that it would not revise its emission standard for airplanes. They're going to keep those planes flying. Make no mistake about that. Every single one they can put up, they're going to keep them flying. They're going to continue filling our skies with filth unless or until we, the population, stop them. And that starts with a critical mass of awareness, which starts with our military brothers and sisters who are not protecting populations in accordance with the oath they took. They are protecting a power structure. They are protecting empire and pretending it's patriotic when it's not. More headlines. This one from the UK Guardian. Dark roofs to be banned in New South Wales, planning minister states. As if that's going to cure everything. We just need to paint our roofs white. That'll fix everything. These sort of ridiculously meaningless actions that are proposed by elected officials and their minions are simply designed to pacify populations into thinking that we can make some little tiny change and live happily ever after. While the military tanker soars overhead, dumping a hundred tons of unimaginably toxic nanoparticulates of heavy metals like aluminum, polymer fibers, strontium, barium. No, just paint your roof white. Everything will be fine. From the UK Guardian, this, we're going to need a bigger planet. The problem with fixing the climate with trees, they say. From that report, planting trees to offset carbon emissions sounds great. But where are we going to put them all, the report asks. The United Arab Emirates, one of the biggest oil producers in the world, promised to plant 100 million mangroves by 2030. India said it aims to plant enough trees to cover a third of its land area with forests. Earlier this month, the Amazon founder... Jeff Bezos announced $1 billion fund toward planting trees. More than 100 countries pledged to halt or in re- and reverse deforestation by 2030. And then there's this quote from Boris Johnson, who stated in regard to the tree planting, the great teeming ecosystems, these cathedrals of nature, are the lungs of our planet. Again from Boris Johnson, if he gives a damn about the climate or the trees. And I'm going to park here for a moment because I have revered trees since my very first memories. I was given an award in kindergarten because they couldn't get me out of the trees. I got an award for tree climbing in kindergarten. I loved to sit there in the arms of the tree. I felt I was being held by an incredibly sacred and sentient being in my entire life. All I have wanted was to plant trees in solitude in the forest and to watch them grow and thrive. And I was not allowed to do that because of what I knew was happening in our skies. I had to change my life completely. And I did. 20 years of slogging in this battle. And with articles like this that are so incredibly false in every aspect. First, even trees that exist today in the Amazon and other boreal forests are no longer carbon sinks. They're carbon sources. Why? Climate engineering is core to that equation because climate engineering is one, disrupting the hydrological cycle, creating drought deluge scenarios as I covered over and over. Two, it's dropping incredibly toxic elements in the precipitation, starting with aluminum. We have peer-reviewed study to prove that aluminum affects root systems, causing them to shut down nutrient uptake. Trees die a slow, protracted death. Three, the ozone layer, which I've talked about again and again and again, releasing massive amounts of UV radiation on the planet, not just UV A and B, but UV C as well. Core causal factor of ozone destruction is climate engineering. So what happens with the trees? They shut their stomata, their respiratory ports that allow them to feed. They can no longer feed. They can no longer sequester carbon. They can no longer release oxygen. So they are now already 
carbon sources, not carbon sinks, and we're going to plant more trees? And how are those trees going to grow when the existing trees that are well-established can't even survive? It doesn't do any good to plant a tree when it immediately dies. And I know this from Northern California from my tree planting, and I could formally plant 250 trees or more in a day by myself with a 95% success rate, meaning 95% of those trees made it through the first year. Now the success rate is zero, zero. So let's all just pretend that we can keep looting, pillaging, plundering, and polluting the planet, but we'll plant trees someday and we'll make it all better. And in the meantime, we'll just keep spraying our skies with toxic filth to block the sun and pretend that that's not really happening either. Here's a final note on the fallacy of we're going to plant more trees and make it all better. From last week, deforestation in Brazil's Amazon at record levels. The report states the increase comes despite Brazilian President Bolsonaro's efforts to show his government is taking environmental preservation seriously. Yes, sure he is. Deforestation in Brazil's Amazon rainforest soared 22% in the past year to one of the highest levels ever. The government's annual report has shown undercutting President Bolsonaro's assurance that the country is curbing illegal logging. Brazil's Space Research Agency recorded... 5,110 square miles of deforestation in the world's largest rainforest, an area nearly 17 times the size of New York City, and that's in the last year alone. And the Amazon is already a carbon source and not a carbon sink from the conditions I already mentioned in this broadcast. We are hurling to the bottom of the abyss, all of us, like the occupants of a car that has crashed through the guardrail, the Thelma and Louise moment, and again, the occupants of the vehicle are arguing about which station they get to listen to on the way down. Total insanity. Moving on, much to cover, not enough time. What do the climate engineers have scheduled for winter weather in the Northern Hemisphere this year? Let's start with this headline. From severeweather.eu, winter 2021-2022. Final seasonal forecast shows a colder-than-expected La Nina having a strong influence as we head into the winter season. This is not a prediction. This is not nature. This is what is scheduled. This is what is planned. Can they pull it off? We'll see, probably in a very chaotic weather whiplash fashion with temperatures and conditions violently lurching from one extreme to another. The report states La Nina will modify the jet stream pattern over North America and the Pacific Ocean, extending its reach also to the rest of the world. The final winter forecast, i.e. schedule weather, from major weather models, captures the changing jet stream position during winter, showing us the most likely weather outcome for the season. This is total deception. Who does all the weather modeling for the nation's weathermen, National Weather Service and National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Raytheon, private defense contractor Raytheon that's neck deep in climate engineering operations. So we have the foxes running the hen houses, passing the script down all the way to the local meteorologist. And that's how they know so many days in advance that a particular day will be, quote, mostly sunny. And on that day, there's not a natural cloud in the sky, just aerosols sprayed out of jet aircraft. And they knew that seven days in advance because they're reading a script Cowards and criminals. Our societies are well stocked with both. In regard to the jet stream patterns, they are being completely manipulated with ionosphere heater facilities like HARP. Ionosphere heaters, if you don't know what they are, please look them up, learn about them. This is a weapon of mass destruction with an ionosphere heater that transmits millions of watts of power into the ionosphere, creating an electrical chain reaction that heats it to thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. And in doing so, they can create 
pressure zones that then steers the upper level wind currents with unimaginable consequences to the planet as a whole as we are now seeing. There is nothing left in the weather systems that is natural. It is completely manipulated at this point, and they are losing control of that manipulation. The planet and its life support systems are trying desperately to respond to the damage done, and it can't because it's in a climate engineering straitjacket. And in regard to the baking and burning scenarios that I covered earlier in this broadcast, let's add one more to that. This, Siberia baked and burned all summer long. Over 40 million acres went up in smoke, completely incinerating. And now we have this headline from last week from RTTV and other sources. Russian region cancels school as temperatures plunge below minus 50 Fahrenheit. Baking, burning, and then flash freezing. Welcome to climate engineering happening all over the globe. And these cold events are highly sensationalized to further the confusion and division in the population in regard to the true extent of planetary meltdown. And every one of these surface temperature engineered highly toxic cooldowns comes at the cost of an even worse overall warming and an even more damaged planetary life support system. So back to the lake effect snow. This headline to consider, Lake Superior is one of the fastest warming lakes on the planet. From that report, Lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world by surface area, and its volume is around 10% of all the freshwater that exists on the planet. A study from New York University reports that since 1992, lakes in the Northern Hemisphere have been warming six times faster than at any other time period in the past century. Again, they always have to state those past dates to make you think it's happened before or something similar. Six times faster than any other time. The situation is particularly concerning in Canada, where the researchers say that Lake Superior is the second fastest warming lake in the world. Now consider this headline from last week from Syracuse.com. Lake Effect Snow returns to central New York just in time to provide the corporate media climate engineering cover-up cabal the sensationalized holiday headlines of cold, cold, cold that they desire. What a surprise. Headlines like this from AccuWeather.com. Coldest air of the season. Lake Effect Snow set to blast northeast. They use that type of descriptive word as well. What is actually at the core of the lake effect headline producing snow scenario? Climate engineering, manufacturing winter weather using the record warm Great Lakes as a moisture source. I want to cover a couple more headlines. I'm almost out of time. From ClimateActionAustralia.com, this domino theory. The report states, without massive and immediate change, we face the possibility of cascading environmental collapse as Earth's systems pass critical thresholds and flip into new and hostile states. Too late. We're already there. The question now is, will anyone get through this alive? From uq.edu.au, this climate change impact on Earth's life zones on track to accelerate. It is accelerating unbelievably. The report states, these life zones provide the very ecosystem services humans rely on. And when they change, like they're doing, we cannot rely on them in the way that we have in the past, i.e. no habitat, no humans. Simple equation. I've been told the following more times than I can ever recall, that my 20-plus years of slogging forward in this desperate battle to sound the alarm is meaningless and in vain, without any point. My response to that statement to me is this. If this journey of a thousand miles that I have endured made a difference to a single individual, if all my toil helped a single soul to see the wider horizon more clearly, and thus to care more deeply, then every arduous step in this journey was needed, was necessary, was worth it. Every single individual that our collective efforts helps to awaken matters to a depth and a degree that we cannot truly know or comprehend. So when someone tells you your efforts to make a difference are in vain, and thus don't matter, that you're accomplishing nothing, 
Look them straight in the eyes and with unshakable conviction, tell them that if your journey of a thousand miles made a difference to the consciousness of a single individual, if your unyielding efforts helped a single soul, again, to clear the lens through which they view the world and to care more deeply than they ever would have otherwise, then your efforts were and are absolutely not in vain. The personalized license plate on my old black beat-up four-wheel drive Dodge pickup states this, N-V-G-I-V-U-P, never give up, and I don't intend to, not till my last breath. Now this, as mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, what's fueling the hive mind group think behavior? From clinical psychologist Dr. Matthias Desmond, this, the most important thing for people to do is to continue to speak out, even if it's just to say that you don't agree with the mainstream narrative because mass formation, i.e. the mob mentality groupthink, is provoked by the specific voice it has become accustomed to. Totalitarian leaders know this very well. They start every new day with segments of propaganda in which the voice of the leader constantly penetrates the consciousness of the population. If other voices are available in the public space, then the mass hypnosis will be disturbed. In quote, again, from Professor Dr. Matthias Desmond, Professor of Clinical Psychology and He holds a master degree in statistics. According to Professor Desmond, quote, mass formation is a type of mass hypnosis and has an extraordinary impact on an individual's intelligence and cognitive functioning. Around 30% of the population will succumb to mass formations, i.e. groupthink, hive mentality, while 30% will not. The remaining 40% will realize something is wrong but may not understand exactly what and thus they remain silent. Disconnected people in society who suffer from free-floating anxiety connect their anxiety to a specific object. In this case, it is COVID-19, and a new solidarity emerges to show solidarity to the newly formed group. People within this mass or mob hive mentality formation feel the need to participate and conform to power structure dictates without honest or objective investigation. It is almost as if the measures to defeat the object of anxiety are, in reality, a way for them to prove to everyone else that they are part of the new social group, i.e. demonstrating that they are an obedient and conforming member of the herd. Mass formations are similar to religious groups, and the symbols of the new social group are similar to religious rituals, which members will push to ensure their continuation. However, mass formation differs from a religious cult in that its members do not recognize that their symbols are, in fact, rituals. A cult is a group or movement held together by a shared commitment to a charismatic leader or ideology. It is a belief system that claims to have the answers to all of life's questions and offers a special solution to be gained, but only by following the leader's rules. Any new science that conflicts with the current cult beliefs cannot be accepted by its members. They are closed off to new information. People become radically intolerant of dissident voices, i.e. those who challenge the official doctrine. Voices that question, threaten to awaken populations. Thus, people within the cult become angry when confronted by the initial anxiety and discontent they experience at being questioned or presented with new information that conflicts with their programmed view of the world. Thus, the mass formation crowd directs their aggression at dissident voices. This is when cult members are able to use the state to oppress dissenters. We see powerful people using the power of the state to lock down innocent people or using police to assault innocent people in the street. Ultimately, this can and will lead to a totalitarian state where the state exterminates people who disagree with them. Totalitarian leaders are often called dictators, and in a certain sense, this is correct. But there are differences. 
In a classical dictatorship, the population is not in the process of a mass formation or mob mentality or not hypnotized, and that makes a monumental difference. A hypnotized population or a population in mass formation, i.e. hive mind groupthink mentality, behaves completely differently. Professor Desmond then stated this, a classical dictatorship usually becomes less severe, less cruel, and less aggressive towards the population once the opposition is silenced. In a totalitarian state, the exact opposite happens. Where does that leave us? The answer, though not pleasant, is crystal clear to any that are not looking at the world through a completely colored lens. We are most certainly free-falling toward not just a totalitarian state in America, but on a global scale. The sea of insanity that has been rising for so very long is now building into a tsunami of mass deception, delusion, and psychosis. But it is imperative to always remember and consider each and every controller agenda will become immediately moot if the total implosion of the planet's life support systems is allowed to continue unabated. And about populations that continue to facilitate the controller dictates, do you think the power elite actually care about you, your well-being, your future, the future of your posterity, which if we remain on the current course will never come to pass? Time to wake up. The power structure cares about themselves. They will do and are doing anything and everything they feel they need to do in order to preserve their hegemonic power and their pitiful lives until the last possible moment. To those that are willing to stand against the gathering storm, this is our moment, and the effort will take each and every one of us. There is no easy way forward, no silver bullet, but there's a way. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is key. Only with a vast army of the awakened do we stand any chance of turning the tide. And awakened does not just mean being aware. It means a deep stirring of consciousness that cannot be ignored. It means realizing we, all of us, are here at this moment in time and of fate for a reason. No one can be forced to wake up. But if the already awakened summon the courage to sow the seeds of awareness, the undercurrent of awakening will grow, it will expand, and once enough of the population is forced to realize that they are indeed fighting for their lives and for the lives of their children, at that moment, the composition of what we collectively face can be meaningfully altered. What was is gone. It was never sustainable and it's not coming back. But if our collective efforts could provide a path for any to make it through what's coming, every arduous step in this battle will have been worth it. We must expose the insanity in our skies. We must expose the insanity on the ground, in our societies, with our so-called rulers, and all the criminal organizations that pull their strings. Sharing credible data is key. This, at minimum, sows the seeds of awakening. We have a long and treacherous path before us, but as the proverb goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Time is not on our side. Check the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for the activist suggestions link to learn how you can most effectively and efficiently help to move this fight forward. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay safe, stay strong. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.